those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft. We are back for another Wicked edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. <laughs> you usually say Hufflepuff host. I was waiting for your Hufflepuff host. We just got done saying off air how I was going to set you up. <laughs> and then you weren't going to expand very, very much on things that I set you up with on this episode. And we're already off to a rousing start. Because you're you're I, mixing up your cues. I, set I don't you up, know. I set you up to say your name, and you hesitated. <laughs> I was waiting I for may, you to say Hufflepuff host. If, you generally do. No, I try to mix it up a little bit, you know. This was confusing me. And, and I'm worried that iTunes is going to take away your award that they gave you for the best in the business. Uh, no. They're not going to take that away? No. Over your dead body. <laughs> They'll have to <laughs> From my first. cold, dead hands. Uh, it's chat- hidden and safe, <laughs> locked away. Is it locked away in the... Uh, Cupboard under the stairs? Vault 713? No. I'm not going to tell you where it is. One of the uh, Gringotts employees has to uh, wave their finger over it to unlock it? I'm not going to tell you, Daniel. No. Key, please. Lantern, please. Step back. <laughs> Chapter 3 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We are rolling right along, and poor Harry, at the end of Chapter 2, was locked up in his room. Starving. Starving to death, seemingly never to return to Hogwarts. A lot of drama at the end of Chapter 2, where Mr. Dursley came to the realization that this thing that Harry had been holding over their head, the M-word, magic, he's not allowed to do it. And he's already gotten in trouble because of Dobby's shenanigans in last chapter. So Harry is really stuck behind the eight ball here, so to speak. Yeah, he can't use magic to get out of it because that'll just get him expelled. And if he doesn't do something, he's never going back to Hogwarts anyway. He's probably going to starve to death. And his owl, too. And his owl. Not only is he going to starve to death, but he's going to have to watch his owl starve to death as well. Which is, that would be even worse for me. If it was me and one of my dogs, for me to slowly fade away into the ether would be one thing, but to see a animal that you care about do the same thing, I mean, that's got to be, you know, twice as bad, don't you think? Definitely. I, I couldn't do it. I like to think that, you know, Harry would just start giving all of his food to mm-hmm. Hedwig. That's what I'd do. But, <laughs> I mean, knowing she'd still then starve afterwards sure. once he was gone and didn't have anybody to feed her but sure or maybe just he, before he's gonna pass out he uses his last yeah strength that's what to i was thinking uses his last uh, bit of magic magic to set hedwig free and let hedwig uh, go off and join another wizard somewhere yeah freedom it just got very uh, very dark yeah <laughs> it's got very dark <laughs> So let's uh, pick it back up a little bit, because we've got some good news coming in this chapter. Yeah, there's somebody peeking in his window. Yeah, at the end That's of... That's not usually good news. Usually not. <laughs> it's usually 
a stalker of some sort yeah. or a burglar. <laughs> but in this case, Ron is somehow outside his window in the middle of Harry's dream of being an animal in a zoo and people staring at him. There is literally somebody staring at him as Mr. Ron Weasley is somehow outside his window. And we get to find out pretty quick in this chapter what's going on because chapter three, most of the books have, or the versions that we've read, have a picture right below the chapter number or the name of the chapter. And in the last chapter, Dobby's Warning, we got to actually see Dobby right away, which was a pretty true representation of what we saw of the Dobby in the movies. But in this chapter, we get to see a picture of J.K. Rowling's version of a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that is a flying car. Flying car. <laughs> or Dis- Disney's uh, sure iteration of a flying car. I'm sure younger reader listeners that don't have a clue. Like, what the heck is a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I don't understand. Google it. Google it. I've never actually seen the movie. Me neither. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm aware of, of what a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is. It's a flying car. And Ron, Fred, and George Weasley are hovering outside Harry's window. And Ron is a little perturbed at Harry. Yeah. Why is that? Well, he hasn't answered any of his letters. Mm-hmm. He's asked him to come and stay with him like 12 times. And Harry hasn't answered. He's like, what's going on? Why are you ignoring me? And the other Why inter- are you locked in your room? The other interesting little factoid that Ron drops on Harry is that Ron's dad found out that Harry is in trouble for using magic and relayed that information to the Weasley boys. Now, how did Mr. Weasley discover this? Uh, He works at the Ministry of Magic. Yes. More specifically, in the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office. (laughs) Which is perfect for him. Now, what what does the uh, Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office do, Jessica? Um, What are they responsible for? Well... Some witches and wizards tend to take muggle items Mm -hmm. and charm them and bewitch them to do things to, you know, make their lives a little easier. Or just more entertaining, perhaps. I'm not sure. Those objects need to be controlled and kept out of muggle circulation. They don't want to get Mm -hmm. back into the hands of a muggle. So when they just have a garage sale or something like that, they forget that they enchanted this... I don't Coffee like, machine. <laughs> I don't feel like that should happen, but... Well, I, I mean, if you're just enchanting everything in your house, willy-nilly, I mean... Then you should know everything's enchanted. Yeah, that's true. Well, the example they gave was a, a older witch that had passed away, mm-hmm. and her they had somehow like a, her tea an set... An estate stale, maybe? Yes, made it back into a pawn shop and was bought by another little old lady. And, and apparently caused a lot of chaos. Yeah. Burned some people and... Put some, a guy in the hospital. Yeah, somebody and, had like a... Uh, some like teapot there are real thing consequences in these books. Yeah, there really are. <laughs> you get locked in your room and starved to death, and and the stakes are high. Stakes are high. It's, We're not sugarcoating anything no, in these books. No, this is uh, and it's and it's all downhill from here, if I remember correctly from from the movies I've seen. It's not downhill. It's up oh, and it's, down. We got uh, some ups and downs. And we talked and we talked about that in the last episode. The 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 peaks and valleys. And that's when we talked about Star Wars for 10 minutes. <laughs> the, the peaks and valleys of the Star Wars saga and how it relates to the Harry Potter saga. You go back and edit these and I really have, don't have any clue what we talked about. Oh, yeah, like, I oh, do. we talked about Star Wars? Really? I'm like, how did we talk about Star Wars for 10 that minutes? That happened? Uh, that's from the forthcoming 
Star Wars podcast, uh, the unnamed Star Wars podcast featuring Dan and Jessica Rhino. <laughs> well, we're going to break down uh, every Star Wars movie. Uh, there is already a podcast that does that, though, that my brother listens to. Yeah, we're not doing it by minute, No, though. that's the worst. Like, maybe we'll watch a movie and talk about it. Yeah, there's literally one called the Star Wars Minute, where they talk about every minute of each Star Wars movie for a half hour. And it's, that to me, that's insane. It is. That's insanity. It is. Uh, we're doing, we're going chapter by chapter here, so it's, I guess it's a little more controlled. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're going page by page. Right. Yeah, that would... That would be crazy, but what we're doing right now is not. It's no. uh, insanely uh, successful, and Popular. and we've Everybody made loves us. and we've made um, six figure salaries off of it. Woo. Yet we still continue to work in public schools because I think that shows what kind of people we are. That we've become insanely rich, and would you say would you call us Malfoy rich? Um. <laughs> well, I yeah. In this little scenario, yeah. you've cooked. Cooked up, yes, yeah. sure. Yeah, we're Malfoy rich, yet we still like to give back to the community mm-hmm. and, and work in public schools for a modest stipend. Yeah, you got my text the other day when I was covering fourth grade, right? Yeah. And I had four kids in the classroom reading Harry Potter books. Yeah. It was so exciting. That's not bad. I was walking around. That's going, a good ratio. He's on one, and he's on three. He's on well, He's on the last one. Oh. That's, that's a good ratio. Mm-hmm. So what Harry wonders here... Is Ron kind of has given him the business about using magic and getting in trouble for you it? No, you're not supposed to do that, right? And and Harry doesn't have time right now to explain everything because there is a flying car outside his window. It's a little distracted. And Mister Dursley could wake up at any minute. But Harry kind of wonders how the Weasley boys are not in trouble for enchanting a Muggle automobile. But it turns out. That it's not the Weasley boys who did it. They're just taking advantage of somebody else's enchantment. Jessica, Mr. Weasley has a bit of an addiction to muggle items. Is that correct? I love Mr. Weasley's addiction to muggle <laughs> items. We get to see more of that later. Okay. But yes, he does. He, we also learn later in this chapter he has a whole shed full of items that he likes to tinker with and charm. Pretty much exactly what his job tells him not mm-hmm. to do. Which is ironic. What he tells other people not to do for <laughs> right. a living. <laughs> but the, the smart thing about that is, if you are one of the people making the rules, <laughs> you know exactly how to take advantage of those rules. Yes, we'll, we get to that later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, like I said, Harry doesn't have time to explain the severity of the predicament he's in right now. But he will later on in the chapter here. In the chapter, he'll explain all about Dobby. He'll explain all about the Dursleys, all about the starvation, all about the non-returnal of of the... I don't know if returnal is even a word, but the non-returning of the letters, the dozens of letters that have been written to him over the summer by his friends. But for now, the Weasley boys are going to use that flying car to rip the bars off Harry's window and kind of do a... To quietly, quietly Rapunzel-like escape. From the from the tower that Harry is trapped in, correct? Correct. But we have another issue here, because even if we do get the bars ripped off the window, which we do, pretty successfully and quietly, and surprisingly, well done by the Weasley boys. Uh, either they came prepared. They had a rope in the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were prepared. Yeah. Either they're friend George or my hero. Either they're very 
proficient in doing things sneakily or Mr. Dursley is a deep sleeper, which could be both. Yeah. Could well, be a combination of both. He wakes up later, so I don't he know does. how... And I was going to ask you about that a, a little maybe later. Maybe he just had to pee and was waking up anyway. I don't know. Maybe he has a, um, a prostate issue, you know, his enlarged prostate, and he has is to it, get is up. Is it a going issue? <laughs> it's not a going problem. It's a growing problem. Oh, and, okay. And it's treatable if you consult a physician. Yeah. So whatever medicine that is yeah. that we're quoting the yeah. commercial and they're, for. And they're, I forgot the name of it, but they are a sponsor of the show. They are part of the reason why we make six figures Oh, so off this podcast. So, Lovely. Yeah, Thanks, I'm, I'm really excited. Medicine Company. Yeah. <laughs> Random Medicine Company for your large prostate. Probably Pfizer or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they own, they own the world everything. pretty much. So uh, we have another problem, though. Because oh, even no. if, when we do get the bars ripped off the window, Harry just can't leave, can he? All his stuff is locked, locked up. Yeah. He's, okay, so now he's got a way out, but and he can go back to Hogwarts, but now he won't have any school supplies. He'll be in trouble when he gets to school. And this is my favorite part of the chapter, because that's when it becomes Mission Impossible Weasley style. <laughs> Fred and George are amazing. Because Fred and George... They know that they are not allowed to use any magic. And I, don't, I think it was Harry that reminded... I don't know if it was Harry that reminded them of that. but Or if they just kind of came to the realization themselves. That, But they are going to use some muggle tactics. I believe it was... I don't remember if it was... I think it was George that was picking the lock. And Fred that was explaining that... You know, sometimes muggle tactics are useful. They're so. slow, but very useful. <laughs> slow and boring, um, but it can well, be effective. If you're Fred and George and you're not allowed to use magic, they're, are, they're very resourceful. They are. That's a, ways that's a to, very good word for to it. To get around and to get things done mm-hmm. when they can't just snap their fingers and use some magic. I think the imagination of the, the twins... They would be very good Green Lanterns, I think. Oh. <laughs> because it's all based Twin on Green Lanterns. Will willpower and imagination. And I think that these guys would be better than some of the stuff that like some of the current Green Lanterns come up with. Like Like the big fist. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm going <laughs> I'm to gonna fight you. It's the best biggest thing I can think of. A big fist. <laughs> or a bo- a big boxing I'm even gonna put a boxing glove on this fist. So just it doesn't to, hurt you too. Yeah, bad. so it doesn't hurt you. Oh you're falling? I'll get a big catcher's mitt to catch you in. Yeah. I think the uh, Weasley boys would be a little bit better. However, I don't know if, if that power would be trusted in a in a Weasley boy. They're yeah. very responsible. They they were trying to protect Harry in case he fell off his broom. They have good intentions. Yes. They have sometimes they are mischievous just for the sake of being funny and, and mischievous, but most of the time these Weasley boys have the best of intentions and you could tell that they were raised very well by my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Rhino equals Mrs. Weasley. It, like I said, it becomes Mission Impossible. Fred and George are picking locks. They're sneaking downstairs. They grab Harry's chest of items, and they head back upstairs. And they are just about to escape when Uncle Vernon awakens. Well, Harry almost forgot Hedwig, which should have been the first thing he passed out to mm-hmm. the cars, her cage. But, no, he nearly forgot her, and she squawked at him. Okay, that's what and, I was going to ask you. Uh, and he, why, I was going to ask you why Hedwig made... Who, 
It said at the beginning of the chapter that Heg- Hedwig knew what was happening and stayed very quiet. stayed very quiet on purpose. And then all of a sudden, Hedwig squawked. And then somebody said, like, blast that owl or something like that. Yeah. Or he woke up. Okay. And he was angry about the owl. I don't know if you know he was already kind of awake. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he had a pee or something. Yeah, he's, and he's got a prostate issue. And he heard her squeak and squawk, whatever, and and then he came charging in, banging on the door to to tell him to shut the owl up. Mm-hmm. And when he bangs on the door, it's kind of ajar, yeah, it just seemingly swings anyway. open because it's unlocked and unlatched, apparently. My uh, grandpa's name was Vernon, by the way. I know that. Yeah, he was uh, passed away a couple years ago. Wonderful uh, person, total, kind of the total opposite of <laughs> Vernon Dursley. <laughs> Just a just a sweet sweet man and and funny and personable and uh, just kind of the opposite of uh, the horrible patriarch of the of the Dursley family. So uh, Uncle Vernon awakens and is in the doorway, and Mister Dursley and the Weasleys turn Harry into their own personal tug of war rope, both yeah. desperate to keep a firm hold of him. Uh, Mr. Dursley to keep Harry at the house and the Weasley boys to get Harry into the flying car. Yeah, he was yelling for his wife and yelling, he's getting away. He's mm-hmm. getting. I'm not sure why he cared, other than he just doesn't want Harry to be I happy. He's just to spite him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, he's just not. He's just a bad person. He's just a. He's just a mean guy. Do you think he'd be so bad and so mean if he was? I mean, I understand he's a little anti-strange and eccentric mm-hmm. like it's almost like he's autistic everything's got to be just so mm-hmm. and harry doesn't fit into that picture and it just that whole thing agitates him if mm-hmm. he didn't have that agitation i don't know but he does that's that's who he is like you can't just say that if if this character didn't have this personality tick or he was very happy in the first chapter of the first when we first meet him. Other than he, oh, he sees those weird people, those weird people in robes. Mm-hmm. But he's very happy with his little life. Yeah. Until Harry comes along. Bad people usually are happy. And <laughs> you ever seen a villain in a in a movie? They're always smiling. <laughs> And I tell my kids at school that all the time. You get in trouble and you smile. That's not normal. <laughs> That's what bad people do. Like you do you you get in trouble and that makes you happy. That should not make you that should not bring joy to your life to be, you know, mean to this poor child who was He doesn't have evil aspirations though. He just wants to live in his little house with his wife and his son and have a perfectly normal existence and be left alone. Well, he's he's raised a horrible kid. I'm not a Vernon Dudley <laughs> fan or Dudley yeah. Dursley fan, but he's, he's I'm just saying. I mean he'd be a different person if he didn't have that agitation in his life. I don't know. What what do you think Dudley's gonna grow up? What kind of parent do you think he's gonna grow up to be? I, I mean, he'll probably be even worse than, than Vernon. I kind of know, because I've read all this stuff. Oh, okay. It's hinted at. Okay. So, I can't answer that question. Maybe it's like a Back to the Future situation where, like, Biff, the bully, like, grows up and, you know, uh, after Marty goes back and fixes everything in the past, Biff is actually, like, really nice to him. And <laughs> I don't think there's a DeLorean in this 
story. You don't know for sure. We I just saw like a fly- We literally it. just saw a flying car. Oh god. We literally just we saw did. a flying car. But I'm just saying, he's changing already from the spoiled brat counting his birthday presents mm. in the first book to the opening of this book where he's being the polite. May I take your coat and show you to the dining room? I know it's fake, but the first book, he couldn't have pulled that off. He was too self-absorbed. He Uh, wouldn't even have wanted to. I don't know. I I think the seeds were planted that he could have. He really wanted to to pull it off. He could have. He's got his parents thinking that he's, you know, the greatest thing since sliced sliced bread but he's just a horrible human being (laughs) and and the mom is just bitter over over her sister and not sad at all that she died (laughs) i mean that's that's not cool like there's nothing cool about this family not cool not cool (laughs) none of them all right well let's get back on on track here uh We've got the tug of war. Harry finally escapes. The flying car speeds away. Harry kind of lets out a uh, see, you see you next, next summer. summer. <laughs> uh, I thought it was cool that Harry had the presence of mind to let Hedwig out, and because Hedwig had been forbidden from stre- spreading her wings, her wings, her wings, and and flying around, but basically the whole time that Harry's been back home. So George and Fred's lockpicking skills come into mm, no, they pass it to Ron. Oh, Ron! Did Ron it? has inherited some oh, lockpicking right skills. Good job, Ron. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, was, and I was kind of surprised by that. I was like, oh. And who better to learn from yes. than, than Fred and George? You know, who better to learn uh, some of the intricacies of of Muggle espionage, so to speak? I think uh, Fred and George could live in the muggle world and and be i you know kind of like a like newt's commander does and you know fantastic beasts kind of working their way through the muggle world but still being able to utilize magic at at certain times um and i i I wonder if they would be a little bit i don't know if they'd be more or less responsible with a fantastic beast in a in a suitcase (laughs) Um, well, I don't think beasts particularly interest them. Yeah. So I just couldn't see them going that way. But yeah, they they have their own niche. Because Charlie's really was really, is the really into the dragons, right? Yes. But you think the Weasley boys? I kind of get the impression from the Weasley boys that the way Mom is going to talk to them later on about how we never had any problems out of Char- Charlie and. Percy and why do we have all the problems out of you out of the twins I kind of get the impression that they want to go the opposite of ways that their brothers have gone and maybe that's why they're a little more mischievous or a lot more mischievous than perfect Percy is just because they they don't want to be they know they're not going to be able to live up to that so they kind of want to blaze yeah blaze their own path if that makes sense so Harry, when we're in the car, he finally spills the beans on the letters not being returned. Dobby, Dobby the, the, the violet pudding, and Dobby's warning of this plot against Harry Potter. So what was, talk a little bit about Fred and George's theory 
on Dobby because they kind of raised their eyebrow during this whole conversation. And what did we... I don't know if we if they just came out and told us or if we kind of surmised who Dobby's masters really are. Yeah, well, they're just guessing. And I don't even know if they're guessing, but there's... They kind of get there in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. I don't think they actually get there. They got us there mm-hmm. in a roundabout way. Sure. So, yeah, the, the twins share some looks, and Harry reads it, and he's like, why why you think he's lying? And they're saying, well, el- house elves have very powerful magic, but they generally can't use it unless commanded to do so by their masters. So it didn't really make sense to the boys, the twins, that this house elf could show up in Harry's bedroom without have being commanded to do so. Mm-hmm. So they think it's more likely that uh, his master, whoever his master is, was playing some kind of joke or prank on Harry or just didn't want Harry to mm-hmm. come back to school. Right. And he says, is there anybody that at school who doesn't like it? I thought that was kind of odd that Fred and George didn't know this right. about the Malfoy, right. Harry Potter That's what I kind feud. of thought that too. But, like I said, they're, I think they're just trying to get us there. And so they mention Malfoy, and then the, the twins also explain how house elves are generally only for the rich wizarding, old, old rich wizarding families that have house, you know, mansions and manors and castles. And they even kind of mention how they don't have a house elf, obviously, and how his mother kind of wishes they did mm-hmm. to help out around the house. And... We get a lot of information there real quick in that conversation. The other thing that we hear about for the first time, I think it's for the first time we hear the name Lucius Malfoy. Is that correct? Yes. First time Lucius has popped up here? Yeah. I think it's just my father before that. Sure. And Lucius Malfoy is, of course, I think Ron even kind of mentions, or I don't know if it was Ron or Harry, says Lucius Malfoy well, that's got to be Draco's father. That's not a common last name. Yeah, Harry said that, which again I thought was odd because I was like, does he? He doesn't know a lot about the wizarding community, mm-hmm. so how could he determine that that wasn't a common last name? Other than I guess there was nobody else at school with it. The only thing that I could think of is that, and I don't know if it happens in the book, but in the movie, when Draco Malfoy introduces himself, Ron kind of giggles at his name, and. Draco kind of turns his vigor toward Ron and says, oh, you think my name's funny? Oh, a hand-me-down robe and red hair. You must be a Weasley. You know, that that's the only thing that I, I could have thought of when he was, you know, kind of thinking about the significance of the name being not normal. You know, if, 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 if uh, Ron heard that name and thought that it was funny, then it must not be a an everyday John Smith sounding name. I thought it was just more he chuckled at the way he delivered his name. He said, Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Like, Bond. like Yeah. James The Bond. way he delivered Shaking it. Like it was stirred. so important. <laughs> but that could still leave the same effect. He delivered it like it was an important name. Like they were very well, important wizards. If everything that we are made to believe is true and Dobby is the house elf of, of the Malfoys and Lucius is the patriarch of the the Malfoy family. We find out a little bit about Lucius in here, and Lucius is a bad dude, from, from what we hear. According to the rumors... Rumor and innuendo. <laughs> Lucius was one of the followers of the Dark Lord when mm-hmm. he was in power. Mm-hmm. 
And when he fell from power, Lucius came back and said, oh, just playing. <laughs> I was just playing. <laughs> just playing. My bad. Yeah. I I didn't really mean to be with him. It was an accident. Yeah. I, I was looking for my car. Yeah. This is not where I parked my car. Exactly. And it doesn't surprise us that Lucius is not a good person after seeing the fruit of his loins, uh, Draco, in the entire first book. Yes. So, you know, eh. just like the Dursley family, the apple does not far fall far from the tree. But we finally arrive at the Weasley estate, and that's where our title comes from. Chapter 3 is called The Burrow. The, there's a lopsided sign in the ground that says the burrow. Yeah, I was excited. I read the title of the chapter. So oh, the burrow, and you kind of looked at me like mm-hmm. I was crazy. Yeah. I, so, wh- wh- is that like the what is what is the burrow? What's the significance of? Uh, it's the just name? the name of their house. Okay. Um, but they go there periodically throughout the movie or throughout the movies throughout the series, mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of. A favorite place for us and for Harry, and lots, of, lots of fun things happen there. How would you describe the Weasley House based on the picture you saw in your head while you were reading the chapter? Because the the <laughs> from the description in the book, it seems like the walls are not straight. There's like five chimneys on top. It kind of reminds me of like a something you'd see in a Dr. Seuss house. Yeah. <laughs> there are no straight lines anywhere in, in, in Seuss land. I just thought of like a weird tower misshapen, like a like blocks, if you mm-hmm. built it with building blocks, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like it should be standing up. It's weird that you said that because I, for when I was picturing different things, Legos popped into my head for some reason. Well, at least those would still stand. That's would true. stick together and stay. Uh-huh. So yeah, Legos would be better than blocks. Right. But I was just imagining like, you know how if you put a smaller block, a skinny block at the bottom, you sure. put two big fat ones, those won't stay by themselves. But if you put another one on top to weight it down, mm-hmm. they won't tip over. Sure. So I was thinking of that, like a building block thing where you use little tricks with the weight to keep it upright. And there's a garden in front of the house. We're led to believe, and there's also a shed there where presumably all of Mr. Weasley's Muggle treasure is <laughs> is kept. Yeah, like like Ariel's little yeah. treasure trove. Yeah, Mr. Weasley has his own little treasure trove. Yeah, it's gonna get him into a little trouble later on with with the wife. So the boys figure they'll just sneak into the house because it's. Ooh. The twins have a story already yeah. prepared. This is what they, they think things through. If you're gonna be mischievous, you gotta be thorough, mm-hmm. or you're gonna get caught. Too yeah, much. we we deal with a lot of kids at school that do not think things through. No, no, <laughs> they just do bad stuff. I have several that they take extra food uh-huh. from the cafeteria line, mm-hmm. and when I walk by the table, their eyes get huge and they kind of like blink back in their chairs and then they take the food off of their tray and stick it underneath the table. I'm like, oh my god, I wouldn't even have noticed. I would have walked right by if you had just stayed normal. But no, you had to freak out. Freak out, freak out, freak out. And then I just walk over and stick my hand out and take it away. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Weasley twins, they are not. No, no. Just say that. So their their story is they're going to sneak back into the house, 
pretend they were asleep Sleep all the whole night. Time. And say, hey, look who popped up in the middle of the night. Harry's here. And she'll be so excited and relieved to see Harry safe and sound that she won't even question it. They had this figured out. What, what they didn't figure out is the fact that mom was going to be up waiting for him. Yeah. <laughs> Where have you been all night? I was worried sick. What are you doing with a flying car? Any people could have seen you. You could have crashed. You flew. What are you doing flying halfway across the country? Oh, hi, Harry, dear. <laughs> None of this is Harry's fault. I love that. She's just screaming and losing her mind. But I kind of think, I know she was mad, mm -hmm. but it's the twins. She has to almost expect it at this point. Mm -hmm. She's been their mother all their lives. But I think she has to keep up appearances. I have to sit here and scream at you guys. Oh, hi, Harry. And blah, 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 and scream some more. I think the thing that, that really hurt the twins was the comparison, like we mentioned earlier, to Charlie and Percy. Mm-hmm. And I think either Fred or George even kind of mumbles, like, perfect Percy or something like that. Set that, her off again. Yeah. and But that that's something that I think we find we can kind of figure out that that's something that really bothers the twins is being compared to Charlie and Percy we're not them we're never gonna be them we want to kind of blaze our own trail and when you compare us to them that probably kind of hurtful to them and I've actually had students in the past where I've had I've taught the older sister who was wonderful and never got in trouble and a wonderful student and then I teach the younger brother and the younger brother is all constantly in trouble and you know the class clown and you know I've made the mistake of saying I never had these problems out of your sister and I even had a, a student once that kind of snapped back at me and said like I'm not my sister and that kind of made me that reaction kind of made me think that that's not the first time that he's Heard probably that. not. And he's probably having a hard time living up to his sister's uh, lofty, uh, the expectations that people have based on her sister's uh, performance in the past. Makes it, sense. Yeah. So We'll uh, call that the Weasley twin syndrome? Sure. All right. Sure. It's been diagnosed by, <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's published in a medical journal. Well, this soon. is just going to be it. Yeah, the they'll just play the dictation podcast. Dictation of the podcast will be the medical journal. <laughs> and then at minute 35 of chapter 3 of book number 2, Daniel and Jessica Rhino... Made an official <laughs> diagnosis. They proclaimed Weasley Twin Syndrome. Uh, Mom is happy to see Harry. Very upset with the boys. I thought here that Mom, when she saw Harry... If the boys, and I think they did try to kind of explain what was going on, why they had to do what they had to do, I thought that mom might have softened her stance a little bit, but she, she really didn't. Were you surprised that mom wasn't more receptive to, and I, I don't know how hard really the boys tried to explain why they did what they did. It wasn't just to be... Or how much actually got through to her when she was... Right, so and angry. That, sure. She was probably didn't hear what they were saying. Um, but I think it's more of the twins. Mm -hmm. You could, I doubt she can really give them much leeway mm -hmm. because 
okay, well, if you justified it this time, that makes it almost okay. It's still not good what you did, but if she shows that side, mm-hmm. they're just going to run with it. Sure. And every time there will be an excuse. I think she's probably learned at this point that gotcha. she can't give an inch with the, the twins. Yeah, I, just, I was a little surprised that I thought that she may have... Once she saw Harry, and maybe if, even if she saw like how malnourished he was, but it was still unnecessary because she said that her and her husband had already discussed it, and they were going to go get him on Friday if Harry hadn't written back. But that was the so other it thing. Makes it yeah, I guess so. But that was the irrelevant that they shouldn't have done, taken this risk. But on the other hand, and I understand the the risk, but to have her even say that she could see that there was something going on that she was almost ready to take action herself i just thought that she would have been a little bit and maybe she did go easier on the boys maybe you know she would have maybe it would have been worse who knows well that's why we're talking about it when we get to it all they had to do was clean up the garden that's true i guess it wasn't too bad and it's actually seemed kind of fun to me because the punishment is to denome the garden and Harry is familiar with muggle gnomes. And they're described as like, uh, I think Ron said, like, are those the ones that like look like Santa Claus and they always have a fishing pole in their hands? <laughs> he goes, no, that's not what, what these are. I, I'm having, I was having a really hard time based on, and not remembering it from the movie. I don't even remember if it was in the movie. If it was, I do not remember how they looked, how the gnomes looked in the movie. I was really having kind of a hard time with the description in the book of the gnomes. Can you kind of help me out with that? All I remembered is that they had potato heads. <laughs> yeah, it said they had, like, perfectly resembling potatoes. Uh-huh. Not just vaguely. Well, it's kind of potato-ish-shaped Potato-esque, head. No, would you say? These were, these were true potatoes. Mm-hmm. They looked like they had potato heads. Um, and then we find out they have razor-sharp teeth. And thorns on their feet mm. must have like really pointy feet. So they had thorns, but yet Ron grabbed them by their feet and mm-hmm. spun them around I, like a lasso, which I don't really understand that part either, mm-hmm. because their legs are very rope-ish. It, you could get that lasso, yeah, movement the, with holding their feet. I don't know. Sure. But I guess the... Use your imagination and go with it. So they're, they're just like potatoes with legs? Yeah. Like literally like, like like a Mr. Potato Head. You can like legs. put glasses on them and big noses and ears and things like that. Mm, no, because that's like Mr. Potato Head's whole body is the potato. Okay. This is just the head. Uh, okay. So then you've got this body sticking off the okay. head. Okay. So there's like a torso and everything yeah, too? Yeah. Like, yeah. Interesting. That's what I picture. Okay. <laughs> Was it in the Mr. movie? Mr. Potato Head. I don't think so. You don't think so? Oh, man. I kinda, now I kind of want to see it. <laughs> I'll have to pick up the illustrated Yeah, edition. I wonder if it's in the illustrated edition. We go, we, we're cleaning out the garden for like three or four pages. <laughs> we're cleaning out, I'm doing notes and I'm like, yeah, they're still cleaning out the garden. And these gnomes are, are pretty dumb little creatures. Grumpy too. And, but and I guess they, they have a right to be grumpy. They kind of hide in the. They make holes in the ground, kind of like uh, like gophers or um, what's the moles? I was like, what's the animal that my parents' dog was <laughs> would bark at? I was like, Buddy's barking at the grass again. 
<laughs> running along the path, just barking at the grass. And we thought he was just stupid. Well, he kind of was. Well, but have you know, knowing what we know now, he, there was a little bit of a reason for it. But in that case, yes. Yeah. He was <laughs> barking at the moles. He was barking at the ground again. It's like our our old dog Comet would just we'd catch him licking the carpet. <laughs> We'd walk into the room and he'd be licking the carpet. We'd look at him and he'd kind of sulk away. Like, okay, yeah, you got, got me. me. <laughs> he had some OCD issues. Yeah, the intricacies of uh, of the canines. So we're cleaning up. We're uh, picking up these gnomes and helicoptering them over our heads. And they're kind of a little bit of a contest to see who can throw them the farthest. The farthest yeah. And basically they say if you throw them out of their holes far away, they're so dumb that they they can't. Yeah, you gotta get them dizzy. Yeah, That's why get they're them. spinning them. Get them dizzy <laughs> and throw them out into the field. They can't find their way back. Sure, gotcha. So they wander off. And you know they'll may eventually like come back, but yeah. you know it seems like a regular maintenance thing that you have to do. Yeah, and to the, the boys garden. kind of say this like Harry thinks it all intriguing. He's yeah. like, oh. Because she says he can go up and go to bed. She's he's like, like, no, he's like, I kind of want to see this. I kind of want to see, like, help Ron, like, do the gnome thing. I've never denomed a garden before. And they're like, it's nothing. It's boring. We do it. Like, they do it all the time. See, they were saying it's boring, but then they were acting like they were having a little fun with it. Well, you got to have make your chores into yeah. a little bit of a game. I, th- I, I think it'd be It's another talent fun. of the Weasley twins. Especially the fact find that... find the fun in anything. Yeah. Especially the fact that they said that it doesn't hurt, hurt them, them or anything. <laughs> How so do we know for sure. Well, we don't, but <laughs> hopefully we won't have uh, Peta. Also, you know, getting on the I'm not boycotting sure. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm no not big sure loss. that their information on the gnomes is entirely accurate either, mm. because at the very end of the chapter, the gnomes are all fine. Yeah, they back. were. Yeah, it's like they were like, okay, well, we'll wander off until you guys are gone. These might and be, then we're gonna come right back. These might be different gnomes though, too, yeah. that were on their way anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like you can't just pull the weeds out of the garden once. It's a regular thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, it's regular maintenance you have to do because more are going to pop up. But it's just uh, troubles that you have in, in the wizarding world that we don't have in the muggle world. We have weeds we have to pull out. They have little potato people that they have to <laughs> uh, fling, wander, you know, uh, like Wonder Woman around their head and, and throw them out of the yard. So, uh, Mr. Weasley comes home from work. I guess he had a. Uh, I guess he was working nights at the uh, at the ministry. He meets Harry Potter for the first time. Is that the first time he's met Harry? Yeah, because he wasn't at King's yeah. Cross. I thought that was kind of that was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of cool that he didn't even notice there was an extra kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going on about his day at work, that and is... the boys are totally buttering him up too. Mm-hmm. This is his friend George working it again. Yeah, they're working it. They're like, "Hey, Dad, how was work? Tell us all about it. Mm-hmm. We want to know everything. Your job's so fascinating. You're the best, Dad. We mm-hmm. love you." Yeah. And he's just eating it up until Mrs. Weasley. It's, it sounds a lot... Sinks their ship. Another example of it sounding a lot like the Rhino household. There's <laughs> always extra people there. <laughs> and my dad will just walk in or my mom will just walk in and just say, Hey, everybody. You know, there's somebody eating our food. There's somebody drinking our drinks. There's somebody, you know, sitting in our Sleeping in the on chairs. the couch. Yeah. And whatever. Yeah, just, bot, just random people kind of come and go. And Mrs. Weasley is upset with everyone. 
She's upset with the boys for sneaking out. She's Everyone ups- but Harry. She, right. She's upset with Mr. Weasley for hiding the fact that he had a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the garage this whole time. Well, she knew that he had the car. He just said he was going to take it apart to see how it worked. Right, because he's fascinated with muggle things. Yes. He didn't tell his wife... That that he was going to charm it to fly. Right. But that's not exactly lying. He didn't say he wasn't not going to do that. And then the other thing was... uh, Mrs. Weasley mentions that... You know you can get in trouble for this... You know that you make the laws. You know for a fact that that you're not supposed to do that. But because he he makes the laws... He said it's not technically illegal. If you, you don't intend to fly it. Yes. You can charm <laughs> a car to fly as long as you don't intend to fly it. <laughs> and that makes her even more mad because she... He's kind of... Mr. Weasley is kind of pulling a Fred and George. You kind of see where they could get some of that uh, sleight of hand, so to speak, from misdirection uh, that, you know, uh, muggle magicians do. It seems that some of that can be applied to the the real uh, wizards and, and witches as well. Because Mr. Weasley is kind of explaining it in the way that I would imagine that Fred and George would explain yeah. to get out of trouble, which I thought was, was pretty funny. But I, the other thing I thought that was funny was the fact that Mr. Weasley was more focused and interested on how the flying car handled and performed yeah, he than, he, than he was on the fact that the boys should be in trouble for going on a cross-country adventure. Well, that's, that's kind of a typical dad response. Yes. You know, when dad comes home and mom says, do you know what your kid did today? He got he, into a fight today. Did you win? You, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's more interested in, in how the car handled. What was it like? Oh, my goodness. He gets really excited. Like, the flying car? You flew the car all the way across the country? Oh, man. It, it, I wish didn't die? I could have been. <laughs> and meanwhile, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, no, don't, don't do that. Don't that. You should not have done that. That's bad. That's wrong. We're, we're almost wrapped up here. There's not a lot to what we have to do to put a bow on it. But I do want to ask you, can you describe Jenny in this chapter? Because we haven't seen much of her, but apparently she is not acting herself now that Harry is around. I don't know. I don't know if it was Ron or George or Fred that kind of brought that up. Ron did. He said that she's not normally this shy. She's not normally this quiet. Usually we can't get her to shut up. Mm. How much of that is exactly true and how much of it is just an older brother being annoyed? You Mm. know, generally older siblings are annoyed by their younger siblings. But she's starstruck by Harry. But yeah, she is starstruck by Harry and she she comes down to breakfast and then squeaks and runs back upstairs. (laughs) That is in the movie and it's adorable. And then apparently she's peeking out when they're headed upstairs. She's that was peeking that, out of her that was a little creepy. <laughs> and then she disappears. We just see two her. two eyes. I think they said two brown eyes, and peeking out the door. And then the door quickly closes when Harry walks by. Uh, so is she crushing on Harry a little bit here? Is she just you know like a like a celebrity, or is uh, what is the, the impression that you get? 
All of the yeah. above. Yeah. He is a celebrity. Even Mr. Weasley was like, oh, Harry Potter's uh-huh. here? Oh, you know, everybody's yeah. a little starstruck. Cool. But, and then being starstruck, she's also developing a little crush. Gotcha. You know, just like you do on celebrities. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, so just kind of wrap things up here. We get a peek at Ron's room. And I think that the impression that I get from Ron is that the, the house, the, his room, the garden, the crowded kitchen are all things that Ron has kind of grown up being embarrassed by. Harry is just amazed by everything. It's just the every, this this is the best house I've ever been in. This is it's so you get to go, you know, this is fun outside garden chores to, to do i've done you know I've yard manure <laughs> you're this, flinging gnomes yeah this, this is, is not a, the this same is thing so cool but it's just old hat for ron mm-hmm. and it just shows you the 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 difference between how they were brought up you know th- that harry sees everything that ron has that to ron is boring and hand-me-down and normal and kind of lacking and harry sees it as this is the coolest thing in ever that i've ever seen and i think i think it's a combination of everything being the opposite in the weasley house that it is in the dursley house but also that everything i think that i get the impression that everything in the in the weasley house is done with love whether it is, and you know, growing up with a mom who's almost a exact replica of Mrs. Weasley, you know, you will get yelled at, you will get corrected, but you will also get overwhelming love in everything. A plate full of sausages and yeah. eggs. Yeah, while you're getting yelled at, she's Eat making this. you breakfast <laughs> and serving it to you. You know, whereas the opposite in the Dursley home. You know, you're getting yelled at, and you're the servant to making breakfast. Right, and... exactly. You're you're getting corrected for for what for what you did. Yet I'm going to, you know, make you sausage and eggs and and things like that. I just love making those connections, and that's one of the big things that we try to get young readers to do is to make connections when they read something to either people in uh, their real life or characters in other books and things like that. But I just love making that those connections to to the Weasley family and, and the, the Rhino clan. I just think it's really cool. Well, you know, it's always like, you know, the grass is always greener on the mm-hmm. other side. So the same thing for Ron. He sees the Dursley's house and it's neat and perfect and sh- everything's straight and in order and it's clean. And so he sees that because he even makes comments, it's nothing like your room back at. Right. Like, look how big your room was. Yeah. But, and I think he just, like, just, just seeing the whole house from the outside, it's. It's first of all, it's a sound structure. It's got clean lines and it's straight and perfect and new and clean and and his house isn't like that. But like you said, it's because it's lived in, loved, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah, our house was never clean. <laughs> <laughs> never. The only time our house got clean is when the people were like, uh, they were. My mom was having a party, and then it turned into. This house needs to look like it has not been lived in. <laughs> Ever. Why am I the only one vacuuming right now? Because it's 3 a.m. That's true. 
it, it just it reminded me also of the the Christmas scene in the last book when Harry was so excited about getting the Weasley jumper and Ron was not. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> he was excited about Harry's coin. Right, the Muggle fifty cent, uh, fifty pence piece. Yeah. So weird, you know. The it just kind of like you said, the grass is grass is always greener. However. If Ron did spend one day in the Dursley household, he would quickly learn that it is not his thoughts are uh, way off. Yeah, well, mate, the grass may be greener, but he's because he had to spread the manure to get it that way. <laughs> you had to do the backbreaking work to get it that green, and that is a heck of a metaphor, Jessica. <laughs> and I think that's a great way to, to end uh, the show. And I think uh, we just got an email from iTunes that said that. They are uh, indeed reinforcing the fact that you are the best in the business. Yes. <laughs> based on that, uh, based on your comeback of sorts uh, here at the end. You really, I, uh, I seek wild warm up. You do. Got to wake do. up a little bit and yeah. get going. <laughs> um, there is one thing we didn't talk about, mm-hmm. and it does become important. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, is it Percy? Well, ooh. Ooh, Percy is acting weird. Percy, it, we I, spent I didn't know it, like that, a, a paragraph talking about this. I didn't know if that was. They said Percy's been in his room a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Owls coming and going. Lots of letters. Hold up in his room. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. But not. But that's not, not what that's I was not what you're thinking of. of. No. What are you thinking of? Uh, the book that Mrs. Weasley. Oh, the uh, uh, kind of like the do-it-yourself book that was in the kitchen. It was something about. Like how to, uh, what was it? What was it called? Some guide like household pet pests. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of, like my parents used to have these like uh, do-it-yourself books in the in the kitchen, and I think they were put out by like Popular Mechanics back mm-hmm. in the day. They, you like order them on the TV. Yeah, yeah. And, I remember seeing those yeah, when we first it, started dating. Yeah, and it told you it literally had the most random things. Like, how to change a light bulb that has broken. And it told you, like, you cut a potato in half. It all comes back to potatoes. You cut a potato in half, and you put it on the shards of the broken light bulb, and you turn it in order to unscrew it. That's that's the way you do it without getting Pain shocked. Yourself. It was just, and it was like how to, you know, change, a, like, a toilet tank. And, yeah, you retile know, your bathroom. Yeah, it was just random things like that. And it was like a little encyclopedia set right. of mm-hmm. those kinds of books. And I know none of you kids that are listening know what an encyclopedia set is. <laughs> but everybody else does. And that, it kind of reminded me as like the wizarding version of that. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently like a really handsome gentleman on the front mm-hmm. that Mrs. Weasley is a little smitten with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Because okay. we might run into him later Ooh, that's what uh people in the business call a tease a tease yeah so we can't forget about uh i forgot what his name is gilderoy lockhart Ooh, i always want to i you know, i remember it but i always want to call him gregory yeah so i had to like okay it's not gregory gregory it's for sure gilderoy lockhart yeah. i don't know why gregory sticks in my head but it does and I said it in our little Harry Potter trivia thing. I was playing at Kelly's house, and she gave it to me. Oh, okay. Well, that was nice Kelly's of her. Nice. Shout she's out. like, she's like, actually, it's Gilderoy, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, that's not a very Slytherin thing to do, but. Yeah, she was. She was just happy somebody was playing trivia, Harry Potter <laughs> Harry trivia Potter. pursuit. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, somebody's here that can play this with me. I got tired of playing it with my dog. <laughs> she's no good. 
even think Posh can play. I think Posh would love to play. And but I don't, chew on all the pieces. But I don't think that she... <laughs> and I think she would have a lot of fun playing. But uh, I don't think that she would be very successful at answering the questions. No. So shout out to Kelly and Posh. Yes. Our friends in Brooklyn. We, do, is Posh been sorted? Do we know what Posh is? I assume a Hufflepuff. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all labs are Hufflepuffs. Yeah, yeah. Our our former lab was definitely a, a Hufflepuff. She was even yellow. So there you go. Uh, so anything else? I don't. Nothing for the chapter. Don't we have a an email? And see, that's why you're the best. Oh, you're the best in the business. And it just came. Oh, another email just came through from iTunes. They're giving you the award again. You're I the best. Two. Well, it's this one's a podcaster of the week. Oh, okay. The other one was podcaster of Gonna ever. Gonna move some pops around. Yeah, we got some hardware to move around here. We, we've we told you that you can always send us your emails at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. And we have an email to read. We also have an email that I want to share that it wasn't a question, but I want to give a shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners, Rachel Baker. Hi, Rachel. Who apparently emailed me months ago, and I'm such a jerk that I did not see the email because it went, it got mistakenly uh, put into my junk mail folder, and I did not see it until recently. And I felt so bad. Rachel was asking when, you know, when new episodes were coming out. I think we were on about episode 10 at that time. And I felt so bad that I sent Rachel a a t-shirt, so... (laughs) Broomsticks and Butterbeer t-shirt and I believe it has arrived so Rachel thanks for listening uh, please feel free to email us you're on my safe senders list now so you, it will go straight to my inbox and I will see it right away but we got an email from Steve and Eliza Grosser in Champaign Illinois oh that's not far no it's not And it says, hello, my daughter Eliza and I love your podcast. We read a chapter each night and sometimes listen to the show the next morning. Eliza asked me if Hogwarts students could change houses if they didn't like the people they were sorted with. I think that is a wonderful question because let's say you get put into Gryffindor and you just don't like the aura of the the, the Gryffindors. Can you go to... The head headmaster and say, "Yeah, is it possible?" This, this kinda, is not working for me. Yeah, yeah. just kind of like in college, if you don't like the class, you drop the class and go take something else. Uh, the email continues. We started talking about alternate houses for a lot of the main characters and why. Our question is: If you had to place the main characters in new houses, where would they go, and why? We, you've had some time to think about this. Uh, because I told you about the email last week, and now you're kind of looking like you're thinking about it for the first time. <laughs> well, I did think about it a little bit after you you showed it to me the first time. Well, let's start but off I with. I haven't thought about it since then. Let's start off with an easy one. Okay. We've already talked about Hermione. Yes. Hermione is a Gryffindor. However, she shows uh, a lot of traits of a good Ravenclaw. Yes. Correct. Very. Being being what? Why would Hermione make a good Ravenclaw? She's just, she's always in the library. Mm-hmm. She's always got her nose buried in books. And she's really, really smart. And just that unending thirst for the knowledge, too. She wants to know everything. So, yeah, she, she probably should be in Ravenclaw. Sure. There are some reasons why Jake Rowling said she was not sorted into Ravenclaw. Because Hermione didn't want to be at the time. 
because she felt like she was so behind everybody else coming from a muggle born right. you know muggle family she didn't she didn't want that like added pressure to be with the smart kids in the smart class and sure. still be making up for lost time where she didn't know any of this stuff so she just felt she would be really behind if she was putting Ravenclaw and then there'd be so much higher expectations what about Ron Ron he could probably be Hufflepuff that's too what, that's what I was he thinking really wants that approval mm -hmm. he wants people to like him mm -hmm. that's exactly what i was thinking like and when he was the loyalty when he, thing is you know can't be disputed He's when he when he loyal. looked in the mirror of erisa and what what he wanted more than anything else was that was that validation the people to to like him and to be you know i helped my team do this i helped my team accomplish this goal and i think that I think he's pretty fairly sorted in in Gryffindor. I think the Hufflepuff is probably the closest one. Uh, definitely not a, a Ravenclaw just because he doesn't have that thirst for learning like you like you said. And definitely not a Slytherin just because I just he he wants to to achieve things, but it's not ambition is not. His, it's not in an yeah, ambitious he, way. He it's wants to achieve things to get the recognition, to, to stand out, sure. to get noticed. He doesn't have, like you said, More because of the big family he came from. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what about Harry? Harry, so we already know that the Sorting Hat debated mm -hmm. putting him in uh, Slytherin. Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can't ignore that. He does have the ambition. He wants to prove himself. He... he wants to be successful but I don't know I think he's pretty perfect in Gryffindor I don't know that he'd be really in Hufflepuff because but it's hard to judge because everybody pretty much already likes him mm -hmm. because he's this famous wizard mm -hmm. we do see him later in the story where people kind of turn on him and they don't like him and you know nobody likes that feeling but it doesn't really seem to bother him all that much not like it would i think a true hufflepuff would mm -hmm. if everybody just didn't like you all of a sudden i think that would really crush a hufflepuff oh god yeah and... as a hufflepuff <laughs> yes <laughs> i badly want everybody else my goal like whenever i do anything is i first want everybody else to be taken care of and then i will take care of myself you know, even when we when we make food and people come over, I'm gonna make sure everybody else eats, and then I will eat. You know, it's it's every little thing. I you know always want to take care of everybody else because I I just you know I want to have friends. <laughs> I really want to have friends. The Slytherin thing is interesting though because we see we've already learned in the first book the relationship between. Harry and Voldemort and how the the Phoenix gave two tail feathers and one is in Voldemort's wand and one is in Harry's wand and it was even Ollivander who said that Voldemort was did great things terrible things but great things not great in a positive way but great in a in a power right in a powerful, powerful. way and that could be you know, just because you're in Slytherin doesn't mean that you're bad. We kind of get that impression from the way the the 
the primary Slytherins that, that we, we see, with. yeah, that we interact with. But there's probably some other Slytherins in there like, hey, man, we're not all like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that, like, he's, like, every, he's in every scene, but, like, we're just kind of hanging out in the back, man. Like, we think you're all right, Harry. <laughs> but I don't know. I think the Sorting Hat probably kind of figured that out for us, that if he was going to go, if Harry was going to go any other word. Anywhere else that it would probably be Slytherin. Slytherin. What about Draco? I mean, I know this is really hard because he's just evil. But (laughs) well, you know he is, and we can't put him in Gryffindor because he proves later that he is not brave. Mm -hmm. He kind of is a whiny baby. Mm -hmm. But he could go in Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. He and bottom line is he's he's a nasty little thing. But he wants people to like him. Mm -hmm. He wants the friends. He thinks that by using his name and following in his dad's footsteps, using that prestige, will earn him friends. That's why he said, Malfoy, Draco Malfoy, therefore you should just all like me. I think the loyalty thing of Hufflepuff would would be the reason why I, I wouldn't be able to put him there. Just because I think he would turn on his friends at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Just at if it if it did not benefit him a, at all, Crab and Goyle, you're, we're, out. yeah, you're getting fed to whatever thing is in the Forbidden Forest because I I'm all about me. That's Which why, is I think, why he's in Slytherin, but but I I think the Ravenclaw possibility is a little intriguing to me. Not that he he would totally fit there, but he does have a thirst for knowledge. He is a, a pretty good student, you know, by judging by, like, Snape was giving him lots of compliments in the potions class about how he could be, you know, a great potion maker someday. I think that there's there's some possible, you're giving me dirty looks because <laughs> I'm, I'm sorting Draco into your house. So well, I'm just going to no. stop talking. I'm just going to stop talking. No, not that. I'm going to stop because... talking. He, I always got the feeling that he felt he could just skate by on his name and if anything goes wrong at school, his daddy will just fix it, throw money at it and fix it. You know, like, I don't want to give too many examples because that's mm-hmm. spoilers, but he he uses that connection. Plus then we kind of figure out later that, you know, the Dark Lord Snape connection too. So just because... Snape and his daddy are friends is why he gets the praise in class. Not necessarily because he deserves it, but because they're used to be, I don't know, not friends on the same side, mm-hmm. teammates, collaborators. La- I don't know what word you want to use there. Last one and then we'll get out of here. Neville Longbottom. Neville! I love Neville. He's Hufflepuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on to Hufflepuff, Neville. We, we'll, we'll take care of you over here. Take care of Neville over there. Any Anything that stands out about Neville? That... See, if he was going to be in Hufflepuff, see, this is why he can't be in Hufflepuff, because mm-hmm. you guys are too close to the uh, kitchen. Yeah. And he's already a little pudgy as yeah. it is. Yeah. And then he kind of slims down. He gets rather attractive. So, um, no, I don't want him in Hufflepuff okay. near the kitchen. Well, sorry, you called us just a bunch of fatties, so... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> no, he's already. Yeah, and you married me, chubby, so what does that so... say about you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Time to get out of here, right? Yep. All right. Uh, that was chapter three, the burrow. The burrow. 
I almost forgot the name I of the I like chapter. the burrow. Oh, we didn't talk about trivia last night. Oh, uh, we participated in a trivia night with our new friend Amanda. Hi, Amanda. The proprietor of... And Kyle. ...of Once Upon a Time in St. Charles, Missouri, down there on Main Street, for all your... Fairy, feral, fairy tale geek knickknack everything you could want needs yeah uh, Amanda puts on these wonderful trivia nights from time to time you can just look up uh, you can look up once upon a time on Facebook. on Facebook and look at all the events and since we had finished the first book in the Harry Potter saga we it was a Harry Potter movie versus book trivia night and we just for book one just for book one. And we did not win, but we acquitted ourselves pretty well, I thought. Yes. And I actually knew some stuff, so... You did. Dilly dilly. Good job. <laughs> but it made me think of it because last night there was a question and the answer was serious. It black. Mm. And everybody went, aww. aww. And then when you said, because when you said the burrow, I went, aww. Because it's one of those things throughout mm -hmm. the book that becomes very moving yeah so shout out to our new friends uh, Amanda and Kyle and uh, go check out Amanda's shop down there on Main Street if you're ever in the st. Louis area once upon a time is a wonderful uh, little shop that she has there go buy some stuff yeah support local businesses there's lots of stuff <laughs> lots of lots of glorious geeky stuff absolutely so uh, on that note now we can go that is a, that was chapter three of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets the borough we will be back next time with chapter four so until then i am dan rhino i'm jessica rhino and we'll see you next time bye those fingers in my hair that sly come hither stare that strips my conscience bare it's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it